Hey everybody, we're back with another Bald Move Television, the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. We got uh, some girls talk up real quick, but before that, Jim and I want to have a regularly, the semi-regularly recurring feature where we talk about who won the week. Uh, yeah. That was a popular feature, but polarizing feature mm-hmm. on when we last did this with Fargo, Better Call Saul, and The Leftovers. Because uh, the leftovers clean clock, except for maybe one or two weeks, <laughs> and the other fan bases yeah. weren't as thrilled by that. But yeah, it's understandable because they don't like hear the other side. Yeah, so much, if or you they don't, don't know, if you don't watch the leftovers, then why do I don't give a shit about this? This uh, and usually it happened on Fargo because it was the last one out. Yeah, and it rarely. I think it only won the week one, so people <laughs> were were testy. Uh-huh. Uh, but if you're a fan of just television, I think it's an interesting feature. I noticed that. Fucking Chris and Andy over at the Watch Podcast are uh, doing the who who won the belt. Oh, are we aping them? Oh, I think it's the the opposite because we've been doing this for for the last two seasons for these shows. Okay, so I think they're aping us. Everyone does, but then I think I was aping Bill Simmons. So the it's it's the 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 yeah. Oribus is just the snake is eating its own tail. <laughs> Uh, regardless, um, having on Bald Move TV, it's neutral gr- ground. Um, it's a fun little way. This isn't, there's, there's, there's just no, nothing that you get for winning the week. It's just Jim and I's opinion as television watchers and, and, uh, low key amateur critics, uh, who won the week. So, leftovers, Better Call Saul, Fargo, uh, leftovers season opener, Fargo season opener, Better Call Saul second episode, who won the week? I mean, in my opinion, it's the leftovers. The leftovers. All right, the left- guys. I- we'll we'll see you guys next week. That's it. <laughs> We're not going to talk about why. We're not going to say so, how much better it is than the others. It's interesting because Andy Greenwald uh, has listened to his podcast, and he called Leftovers the most important television show on our boxes right now. Right And he now? said that's because mm-hmm. of the emotional heft. It's because of the artistry, because of the acting. It's like everything together. Like it's it's the most it's it's the thing moving the ball further forward than anything else right now. Um, and I broadly agree with that. You don't agree with it? I mean, I, what the hell's more it important? Depend, it depends on your definition of important. Like, or important for what? Like, important for society? Important for television as an industry? Important for his ratings? Like, <laughs> what do you what do you mean by important? Because there are certainly like. There are shows like um, People vs. OJ or whatever, that, that Ryan Murphy thing that I would say are probably more important. But it's not on right now. Okay. Um, so in this narrow eight-week window... I think he's, he's broadly speaking important. of, like, I guess contemporary time. So, yeah, People vs. OJ might not count since that was last season and is not coming back. Hmm. It's going to come back with something. It's American Crime Story. Will be, I think it's going to be on Katrina this year. It might be. That might be more important socially. Okay. But artistically, I think it's hard to say that there's a more important show on television right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with him if that's his definition. Sure. Because I just can't get over how deftly they go from, you know, ter- haunting imagery like Evie taking a rocket to the face to borderline slapstick uh, to back to heartbreaking all in a single hour. And also – yeah. Nothing there like like in contrast to other things like Better Call Saul and Fargo this week that proceed at let's say a stately pace. Fargo manages to feel jam-packed but never rushed. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a single wasted moment that's ever happening, but it never drags and it never feels like it's hurrying along and it has 
tons of faith in its audience and who it's it, what choir it's preaching to and there's no better collection of actors um who would just crush it on a week to week basis that's why i think it won the week and in yeah, fact um, go ahead uh i'm with you on that i think uh <laughs> None of the actors that I'm watching week to week on any of these shows are bad, right? I mean, I've seen some bad acting coming from The Walking Dead in recent times. Oh, None yeah. of this is even close to as bad as that is. Yeah. Um, but somehow, even with a stellar cast of like Michael McKean and Bob Odenkirk doing, uh-huh. and, and Ray Seahorn doing like excellent work over on Better Call Saul, um, this is, Leftovers is head and shoulders above that stuff. And we're going to say like, when we're talking about winning the week, like, you're not going to see bad performances on Fargo or Better Call Saul. No, definitely. They're just not going to be there. Yeah. But that just is showing, and, and, and I, I, I feel I'm, uh, it must suck for the people that just don't get the leftovers because it's going to be a rough <laughs> eight weeks because I'm thinking that the leftovers are probably going to be kicking the other show's asses, and maybe the more interesting thing is going to be who takes the silver medal. Yeah, yeah. Who's going to be third runner-up? In the Minnesota Bridge Contest. Right. This is a tough one for me because I think Better Call Saul had a pretty weak second episode this season. Um, yeah. They, I, I think they, there were two big betrayals of of what I view this series and its characters as. And Fargo didn't have anything like that. It, it just – Fargo doesn't excite me inherently quite as much. Right. Um, but I think it had a better episode this week. Agreed. Agreed. Because okay. I think that Better Call Saul took the same formula as last week where it took its stately slow pace, excruciatingly slow pace, and then lowered the stakes. Yeah. And as you said, maybe traded uh, character integrity for a few laughs yeah. or a few chuckles at Saul's or Jimmy's expense. Which is something The Leftovers never does. No. And and whereas Fargo also had the advantage of being completely – I mean, it's not fresh. That's the thing. Like, as I listen, as I read a bunch of opinions and listened to a bunch of podcasts uh, this week, we were not outside of the mainstream. But everybody like, this is an excellent television show, but we're wondering how much longer it can go with being really? – Like, every, like uh, um, Andy and Chris were saying, like, essentially this is a season-long procedural, which is what we were saying. Yeah. And that's fundamentally – we got away from procedural television because it's fundamentally not as interesting as the other stuff that's going on in the golden age of television. Yeah. So Fargo, even though it's – the format's starting to get a little creaky, it was all new, all new characters. Mm-hmm. And the pleasure of seeing Ewan McGregor doing his weird, you know, uh, the, the, the stunt brother casting and Carrie Coon sweeping an attack – flashlight around and and the styles there too you know yeah. better call Saul has its style um but i feel like it was a little stretched thin in mm-hmm. this episode and you know fargo definitely has a style which um overall is stretched thin but it's kind of it, it's renewed by the new story fargo know? style is polyester slacks and you betcha uh <laughs> better call Saul style is shimmering new mexico desert mirages here's better call Saul style and no, you, you gotta have you gotta, gotta have, have Dave Porter. Ch- you gotta have ch- Dave ch- Porter ch- doing boom, his lunar boom, landscapes behind. Ch- yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Right. We ought to do. We ought to take one of the music for um, Mike doing some Mike stuff and put it against you editing a podcast <laughs> <laughs> with different camera with different yeah. camera angles and focus in on your eye and like the the yep. hands clicking the mouse and I wonder if we could make it interesting. You put Dave Porter. I'm behind. sure you could. And you gotta be chewing your lips. Mm-hmm. You gotta be waggling your eyebrows. You gotta have your you got you gotta have your ears wiggling. 
but I I agree. I agree. Um, and I don't again. I I don't want to construe this as criticism breaking. Uh, Better Call Saul because it's it's the bronze at the middle of the Olympics. There's 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 no slouch, and, and uh, I feel there, like that there's no shame in it. I think that Better Call Saul is probably a better show, um, in general than yeah. Fargo, or at least I enjoy it more. Um, in the long in the long haul, but, yeah. But this week, just that wasn't the case. I'm not sure I agree with that because first season Fargo I think was better than first season Better Call Saul. Okay, second season Better Call Saul, much better, better than second than season Fargo. Second season yeah. Fargo, in my opinion, but I think that's that's a lot of people love season two of Fargo. We just weren't those people. I, I liked a lot of things about it, but man, right. there were some. Oh yeah, problems. So we'll see. We'll see. I um I and I do think that far that the leftovers might be vulnerable because they have to they have to have they have to move their pieces around to deliver the set pieces as much as anybody, and if. You know, break if, if Better Call Saul has a whiz bang Gus Gus moment and Mike yeah, moment at yep. the same time that they're taking a breath on the leftovers and 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 or or you know Fargo's capable of of some of that uh, uh, high high action high pressure high stakes stuff as well. Uh, they yeah. might steal a week or two, but my expectation my expectation to give this this segment stakes is the leftovers is going to win six yeah, yeah. of the weeks that it's going to be on. But uh, to continue with the silly Olympics analogies, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they these shows have been swinging around the bars for a while, right? Right. Now one of them's got to hit the dismount. Right. The others can keep swinging and impressing people, but that's true. That dismount is the hard part, and, and I if, don't know if leftovers can actually stick that. Perfectly. If the leftovers doesn't stick it perfectly, that's going to definitely leave them vulnerable too. Yeah. And also, it it takes it take it takes a bow after eight episodes, so that will still leave Better Call Saul and Fargo duking it out for another couple of weeks, I believe. Yeah. So well. that that that'll leave them room. Anyway, that's who won the week this week. Uh, it seems like it's universal uh, for these two hosts. Anyway, uh, leftovers, Fargo, Better Call Saul. We'll see if we switch it up next week. Okay, on to other business. I have uh, this. Dismiss Jim and I've brought in Cecily because we're going to, we're going to take down, not, not take down, we're going to, um, recap the very last of HBO's girls. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the, this season as a whole and the finale? Let's, 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 let's talk about that and, and, and your, your thoughts on the finale. Um, I thought it was a really powerful final season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that she sort of wrapped up all the things that she felt she needed to, uh, except for the last two episodes, hmm. um, which we can get into. What, what did you think? I think that all in all, the pregnancy plot felt like a misstep to me in a lot of different ways, and that similar to Breaking Bad they did this kind of choose your own ending type where if you want the conventional girls ending, you can can pretend like the goodbye tour is the final episode and how all the girls kind of agreed to go their own separate ways and found some kind of peace, you know, had, had a little bit of closure there. Uh, or if you want to, I guess, go with the more Judd Apatow ending, which seems like he was the driving force behind that and right. behind the scenes, you would go with latching where – Hannah grows up in a single 30-minute s- section of being a new mother. 
being confronted and she gets through postpartum depression and all that in a single 30 minute episode. I guess. I mean, we've talked previously about how the pregnancy plot wasn't our ideal of how Mm -hmm. it should go and how this particular young woman's story doesn't really resonate with me or millennial women, I suppose, um, in this turbulent political Uh landscape currently. Because I I was listening to Chris and Andy's The Watch podcast uh, on the way to the studio this morning, and they said that this seems like a very Apatowian thing, that uh, growing up is intrinsically tied to the responsibilities of a fairly conventional nuclear family relationship. Like, you... You you don't you you go from feckless whore to responsible citizen <laughs> by having a baby, and that's the thing that makes everyone grow up and everyone realize there's consequences. And I, oh, you're right, I hadn't realized that, but yeah, I guess that's. I mean, think of... about how much of that runs through a lot of his works. It does, but also it seems like something that Lena done honestly. But I mean, he's also has two children, so I could see that he's writing from his perspective. Sure. But I don't think that that's what Lena Dunham is doing. I mean, I think it's scary that if you wait until you actually have kids in the world before you get their shit together. Right. Like, I know a lot of people do, but I don't think that's the shining standard. And she had a moment of clarity, but I don't think that she is a changed person. I think she's still a petulant child who now is in charge of another human life. Plus, it took meeting a worse version of herself, like this whiny, entitled asshole of this teenager that ran out and told, said all these awful things about her mother just because she couldn't go be with her boyfriend because she had to do her homework. Right. Or what happens when she meets like the uber soccer mom who's got three kids and wants to tell her exactly how to do things before she bucks that. And she says, you know what? Maybe I can leave my baby alone for a few hours because I'm dealing with postpartum depression and my mom and Marnie left me. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go out on a walk because I just can't. Right. And yeah, what, is that going to be the next episode if this were going to continue? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah, like I said, just I don't know because I a lot of this stuff where you you're presented this young woman who's growing up, and I don't think anyone should be judged on what they do in their early twenties, especially if you have some sort of mental illnesses that you're uh, you might be on the spectrum a bit, you're overcoming some unconventional you know, child rearing techniques that your parents were, were trying on you. You grew up in a, uh, you know, like Hannah grew up in a room in a house that had all this roiling resentment at this, at below the surface. Mm-hmm. Her dad is closeted gay the whole time. Her mom's re, you know, probably at some level realizes that she's settling for a relationship that doesn't have any passion just for safety. Right. And, and then when that even went away, like how we see, we seen how bitter and angry she was about it. Like that had to have a, a and I think a she had every right. I think that, uh, maybe not at her husband, but partially at her, at her husband for not being honest with her for all of those years. But where, she's also progressive. Or not being enough. honest with herself. Right. And, but she's also pro- probably progressive enough to realize it's not, you know, like, it's not the easiest thing in the world to be an out and proud gay man in this in this world uh, right. from a certain generation and a background. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about the final episode is that it, it would have fit so much more nicely as the penultimate episode. Hmm. But, I mean, as far as the storyline and development goes, but hmm. obviously that could not have happened because she had to have a baby for it to play out that way. But... um 
I just think that they could have spent more time in the early part of the season wrapping things up. Yeah. I mean, did you feel like in the first few episodes that we're just getting another season of girls? I I don't know. I just feel like whenever this, uh, you I, know going into it that this is going to be the last season, uh-huh. I always have so much higher expectations for them. That might because I felt like that from the very first episode, this had an air of finality to it, and that there were some changes that the girls were were going through, and um, you know, I don't feel I don't feel like ultimately. Um, it was entirely satisfying because again, if my perfect season of girls, Hannah wouldn't have to get pregnant to realize, have all these revelations about herself. And also like, I'm again, I'm so shocked at how goddamn traditional and conservative this show is because down to the, got the breastfeeding, like exactly. everyone knows the breastfeeding is the best way to do it. If you can do it. You should do it because it's cheaper. It's better on your body. It's better for the baby. But like, really, the final thing we have to is is, is Hannah mastering breastfeeding because that's the ultimate judge of motherhood. Like, right after she already came to terms with the fact that formula might be just the way my particular baby is going to develop. Yeah, and some but, women nope. like some women give it to co- the college try, and they're still f- judged and made to feel like they're less than because they can't make it work or they don't want to make it work or. You know, I I, right, I just felt like, again, that's another level. And I know this goes on. Like, you know, that women are kind of catty and mean to women that struggle with breastfeeding or choose not to do it. How do you feel about, uh, with the season as a whole, Hannah was sort of the axis that all these characters revolved around in order to find peace with themselves. Hmm. Adam had to spend the day with her thinking about how his life could have been in order to want to be with Jessa. You know, they, so Shauna had to have that um, meeting in the bathroom that Hannah started mm-hmm. for her to say, I can't be around any of you anymore. Mm-hmm. I, it just felt like. I, I guess I know because let, let me let's talk about this um, that the let, let's get into what will we do this time about Adam? Um, because I actually agree with how all that resolved, but I'm not sure that I agree with how it was depicted. Like, right. I do think, you know, and, and the one that, because most of the times I heard um, Lena Dunham talk about this season, I was, I liked the episode less after I heard her explain it. Because a lot of the, uh, kind of the stuff that I was getting and I thought that they were doing, she wasn't talking about. And she was talking about very surface level that I thought was kind of like, you know, wrongheaded and bad. And I just, this, I don't know, I feel like bad as a man criticizing this woman for telling her story but the one thing i did think i saw an interview where she was explaining that you know hannah is important for her to realize that like you had this very intense sexual fuck buddy relationship with this guy and there was a connection there and that was real but that wasn't something that you could sustain long term and that's not something that was very healthy either right and haven't they come back to each other a couple of times since then Uh uh-huh and I just feel like if Adam especially seems like the kind of person who's aware that it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. But I can also but understand I can why see him wanting to go and start this family with Hannah because he thinks that she just can't do it on her own. the The truth is is that she's a child doing raising a child, and he feels like he's partially responsible for any part of her life, and, and he does... and feels like he needs to be there. Right. That would have made more sense to me. Right. And he does have this kind of like caretaking but abusing kind of thing to him as well. Um, 
I don't know. He's an interesting guy. And, but that's what I'm saying. Like everything about that episode, like nothing – like when they're having – when they're having that final conversation where they're talking about getting married and stuff, I could see it falling apart, but it didn't feel it didn't feel like an organic experience that you would have in a single day's time. No, this is like like they're compressing something that uh, an experiment that would have failed over the course of months into a single day, and it didn't quite work for me. Right, or you know, Lena Dunham's idealized version of events or people's lives are that it's only interesting if it's messy. Or if these people are impetuous right. or making the wrong decisions, right. I would have liked to seen Shoshana more. Mm-hmm. Shoshana make those sort of re- revelations on her own. Mm-hmm. You know, suddenly she's engaged this guy that we don't know anything about, and right. you know, Ray just dumps her one day because he meets this other woman, and she's just—I don't know. Maybe the character, or maybe the actress herself, is just busy, but. Um, mm. I feel like that was one of the more interesting characters throughout the entire series. And I, yeah, if you've listened to me talk about girls for all these years, you'll know that I'm a huge Shoshana fan, and I thought she was almost criminally underserved by this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I I fully understand all the decisions she's made, and like, she's decided like this is the type of woman I want to be, and these women don't fit in that lifestyle, and they don't like I'm. Right, but that's that's someone I'm who's there. actually made a transition that's believable. So right. how do you get there? Yeah, that's what I want to see. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, like, how do you go from, like, I mean, there's some time that's elapsed because Hannah's gone from conception to being, to giving birth this month. But, you know, it's a little bit outside of what I was expecting to see Shoshana. uh, Because I also taken for granted that Shoshana was starting to maybe rekindle things with Ray. Because she seemed kind of put out that he immediately took to this, you know, her manager who she had, you know, kind of set up as like, oh, this is an annoying person and I don't know how I feel about it. It's going to be uncomfortable. And then Ray immediately hits it off with her and she can't, she's kind of bewildered by it. Maybe that's not true, but even if it isn't, how in the hell does she meet this guy and get engaged to him within like a six month span? That seems if that, yeah. really fast. It does. Really fast. But uh, Shoshana, seems to me like the kind of person that I would trust her decision. I mean, we had like a six-month engagement, but we had also lived together for five years previously to that. So <laughs> that's a little bit – that's 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 a, a little bit different. But so, yeah, you're right. I would have liked to seen more of that, I guess, journey as well. Um, do you – now, the other thing is do you think – because I think they strongly hinted that Adam and, and uh, uh, Jessa didn't work out. How so? When she was at uh, Shoshana's party, she mentioned that she had been waiting outside for the party to begin since, like, the middle of the afternoon. And I feel like if she was still with Adam, she would have been doing something at his apartment. She would she would not she have would been. She would not even come to the party? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I, and just she just the way she was carrying herself, I was like, she – you compared her how she was at the end of what we will do this time about Adam, where she was kind of des- – like, she was so Wasn't relieved that Adam Wasn't there an implication that she might be pregnant as well? Did you get that? Yeah. Why? I forget. Maybe it was she. Did she like throw up in a bathroom? Or she, or? Yeah, she was throwing up. Was she? Yeah, that's what it was. There was sort of like a hint at her maybe being pregnant as well. May- hmm. But I mean, I, th- I, I don't think that happened. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like that there was a little bit like she had gotten a new wrinkle in her ass and learned something new and like you, like something hard had happened and you contrast that to how happy came, she was that Adam came back and then three months kind of elapsed and then you got the goodbye tour and now she's kind of like this 
this broken person is ready to can reconcile with people. Uh, and the way she was talking about, you know, just waiting outside for this party to begin, I got the impression that Adam was out of the picture. Oh, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And also the fact that Hannah was ready to guess. I, I don't know. I, I don't even know because the interesting thing is I've had many times where I've outgrown friends or they've outgrown me or whatever and we go our separate ways. And I never had that like moment of closure where we're all together and we're like, this is just doesn't make sense anymore. Right. Like what, what, what are we doing? We're just hurting one another and we're not supporting and, um, you know, maybe with the possible exception of Marnie and Hannah. Right. Like I could see them being, you know, remain back. Cause you always like, you know, I've held on to Jim, you know, you've held on to a couple of friends from your, like you, there's always some people that kind of go on that journey with you and maybe they stay with you for life. But the vast majority, I mean, I, I, I don't keep in track of hardly anybody from my high school. No, I don't keep in track of a lot of people that even in my early twenties. Now I've got a better reason than that than most, but it seems like a kind of a universal experience that when you get into early adulthood, you kind of, everything changes. Yeah. It's, again, just Lena Dunham's La La Land. Yeah. Um, the only episode that we haven't talked about, because the last four were The Bounce, What Will We Do This Time About Adam, Goodbye Tour, and Latching. The Bounce, which is one of my favorite episodes of the season because it does let Andrew Rannell be Andrew Rannell and be a Broadway star. Yeah. And we got incredible. to, we got to see him showing up for this preposterous, and maybe it's a real thing, but it seemed preposterous, this Broadway version of White Men Can't Jump, where he can do everything but dribble a basketball. <laughs> like he can belt out show tunes, he yeah. can do this. He can and dance. It, it's so funny because I thought they're setting him up to be like fish out of water when they're doing this complicated choreography and he's just kind of like looking bewildered, but then he just nails it because, you know, he was just processing it. Um, I, I thought that episode was really, really good. And then, you know, he had so many good moments like the, I, I quoted the feckless whores, but I love that. Yeah. That where he good. comes in in the bathrooms and be like, <laughs> guess who got the white men can't jump you feckless whores. I'll see you tomorrow when I dance this night out or whatever. <laughs> uh, when I've worn this night out, I thought right. that was hilarious. Does that kind of undo all of the, uh, the Eli and, or Elijah and Hannah stuff from the beginning where she gets pregnant and he, she, and he gets upset because she assumes he's just going to stick around, but then she just does What's, leave anyway. Yeah, and, it's interesting because, you know, he was ready to, I think, make it a go with her in New York. Uh, but then she ends up – that's the other thing. Like, you can't raise a kid in the city? Like, it's so weird to have – I think she just got a better job outside of the city, but yeah. Yeah, but like she's like – she saw saw when shit in uh, Alley in New York and suddenly New York is a terrible, dirty ter- place yeah. that she just doesn't belong in. And I – hey, look, I feel that way about New York City. I yeah. don't – when I go to big cities, they're nice places to visit. Like Chicago is just too big for me. It's, it's almost my size. Right, but, but it's still – I, I like living, I like living nice in, and- yeah, yeah, I like living in Cincinnati. There's plenty of stuff to do, but I don't like, there's also some, you know, you don't have to drive but 15 minutes out of the city to get to nature. But unlike New York or Miami, let's say, mm-hmm. people aren't just shitting in the street. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like Jessa points out. Yeah. I, I, I for one have lived 40 years in this planet. I have never seen someone shit in the streets. Yeah. So, and that's the other funny thing is you see, like, Jessa uh, has shit in the street. 
Yeah. And she we, hasn't seen anything wrong with we've it. We've seen like, her pee in the street. Like, who hasn't shit in the street? And there's, like, people, like, uh, lots of wait, people wait, haven't wait. shit in the street. You're telling me that every shit you've ever taken has been on a toilet? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Other than when I've camped. And it's been in a portal. Or I've been a baby. Yeah. Or yeah. Or yeah. When I when that the when I, when I was growing up and I shit in diapers. Yes. Every shit that I've taken has been in a toilet. What the hell? Yeah. Um. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh. But I, yeah. I I like the, what will I like the bounce. Um. I like the good. I, I felt like the goodbye tour just was a better ending for girls. Uh. Can we talk about the series? What so. I don't want to talk too much shit about the series because I think part of the fun of girls is complaining about girls. Oh, right. And That's judging the whole point. what they're doing. That's what and Lena Dunham said that she wrote a story about herself years in the past mm-hmm. where she's making these mistakes and, you know, writing from her experience. And a more about, extreme version as well. Exactly. I think. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that's, they're, they're all, they're all just a bunch of hot messes and it's fun to watch. Uh huh. I've ne- there's never been anything on and television. If you're going like to pretend it. like they're not when you end the series, that's where you made a mistake. Huh. Well, <laughs> I mean, I think that they cannot be hot. Like, I think hot messes can grow up. Sure, and, but and I don't think it happens overnight. It's not no, one conversation that's with what I'm someone saying. who like makes you Like, you, you latch your baby on your tit and now. Oh, I'm you a grown up all, and I'm you, never going to make a mistake you, again. You are all that as woman. Like, no. And, and, and not even just, just the rate of the maturity that, that, that I saw. Like, to me, if you take the pregnancy plot, the goodbye tour would be a very strong, like, I feel like I know where these, like, like, you know, I don't know if they're going to make it or not, but like, I'm reasonably satisfied and convinced of the reality of the growth that these four women have undergone in the six years that I've been watching them. You throw in a pregnancy plot and you throw in Marnie's competition for best friend and the whole last episode where Hannah just, and I get postpartum depression. I, that's the thing. I didn't feel, feel like this felt like postpartum depression, but I don't know what that looks like. So I'm pretty sure that's what they were. I mean, without saying it, that's what she was experiencing. But do you snap out of it just because your mom gives you a tough talk and you run into a terrible teenager and your kid? No, you latches snap out on? of it. Yeah, you just snap out of it once your kid latches on. Yeah, that's and how, what that's happened, how depression works. What would happen if she didn't have Marnie? Like, because like I, I like she I would drown that baby in a bathtub. Yeah, I was like, thank God for Marnie. And I was getting so irritated with Hannah because like it's one thing for someone to be hovering over you and telling you're doing things wrong, but like. When you swaddle your kid and it instantly falls off and this person shows you how to swaddle it for real. Because they've been reading the books. We all know that Marnie's not speaking from experience. She's yes. just – she's coming from the same place that you are. And there's some things like, you know, every kid sleeps different. Every kid eats different. Every kid's got their own personality. But no kid – there's a proper way to diaper them. There's a proper way to bathe them. There's a proper way to lay them in their crib. There's a proper way to swaddle them. There's a proper way to comfort them. There's a proper These, way to make an envelope out of your tit. Yeah, there's there's these techniques that work, and for you just to be like, fuck all that shit, I'm going to do it. Like, I mean, I guess you can do that, but to be angry and defiant and shitty while you're doing it. And again, okay, maybe I'm picking on a woman, uh, a mother suffering from postpartum depression, but damn, I don't know. It was it was tough for me to watch Marnie go through all that. And Marnie's complicated, too, because she's doing this weird, you know, Tinder stuff, and she's doing this bizarre phone sex <laughs> fantasy with this dude. Yeah. Like, I don't get Mar- Marnie is a weird weirdo. I, I don't. She is. I hope she turns out okay. But she's 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 a weirdo. But thank God she was there because I would really fear for that kid that night that she stormed out if uh, you know she didn't have her mom and and Marnie there to the the effortlessly pick up the slack. And here's the thing that really pissed me off about Lena Dunham. 
on the after the sh- episode of Girls, she was saying like, I just love that scene when Hannah came back with oh, no God. pants and no shoes, and her her mom and best friend are sitting there with a glass of wine, ready for her to come back, and they and don't they don't even have to apologize. They don't have to. No one has to apologize because that's what love. And I'm like, bull fucking shit. No nope. bull fucking shit. You owed both of those women an apology. Yes, and. You know, maybe they should be concerned about where you were and why you don't have pants on and all that kind of stuff. That a police and officer escorted you the home. The police officer escorted you home. And like that, I don't think that's what love is. That is a crazy love definition Love means never love. apologizing. Love means no accountability. Yes. Yeah. You can do whatever the hell you want and they just unconditionally, I mean, they unconditionally love you. So, again... That's yet another example of me liking the episode less after I heard Lena Dunham uh, explain it. But on the other hand, I'm also cons- – I, I don't – it – as I'm saying these things, it's weird because part of me wants to say Lena Dunham should have the liberty to do a imperfect television show and not have it be a referendum on her life and who she is. Absolutely. If she didn't so closely associate your, herself with all of those things. But I, I still don't think even even having said that, that that happens to male showrunners. What do you mean? You know, the guys that are telling personal stories and then that mean a lot of some like stuff like no – you know, like that they're um like Matthew Weiner writing about men men. Yeah, I mean literally childhood experiences. I mean that was but but that was something that was a very important story for him to tell and nobody took Don Draper's behavior as no one said that like, well Matthew Weiner endorses well, I, all this behavior and this is we, I think step- we need a better example because Matthew Weiner didn't play John Draper and didn't say well, that I wrote this from when I was an ad guy in the sixties. Sure. Sure. But do you, uh, yeah, I guess you're, you're I right. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but I, I, I can't think of any examples right now that I can directly compare this to. But like, let's, let's like Louie. Oh, okay. Louie is a very messy show that is very autobiographical and and not a literal translation of his life, but certainly uh, a very a pretty honest look at a version of his life. And there's not endless stories about, oh, my God, I can't believe that he thinks this and he thinks that. Well, I think like, Louis has got an actual point he's making with all of those things. Yeah, and he's – I think he's more self-aware. Yeah. And he's, you know, not as oblivious about – but the, the other hand is like, you know, he didn't write that when he was 24 years old. And he didn't grow up as we were watching him do it and had been attacked by, you know, like conservatives hater, liberals hater, feminist hater – Men's rights activist hater. Like, it does feel a little unfair to make, I, I don't know, but on the other hand, she, she does do things that drives me up the wall. In real life too? In real life, yeah. Yes. Like, there's like, you know, but, but again, no, I don't think, maybe, maybe that is a problem that she did kind of ask, I, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know what to, I don't know how to articulate this because it's like, on the one hand, it's not fair to be held up as a feminist icon, but, it does seem like she did not shy away from like this whole voice of a generation stuff. Oh yeah, I mean, so maybe they played she, a clip in this episode right. from uh, previous seasons where she said that. But if I was a late twenty-something writing a hit television show for HBO, working with Judd Apatow, and having this much sunshine blow up my ass, I don't know that I would say no to many flattering comparisons that were, you know, that goes to one's self-awareness and some someone's poise and, and someone's age. age and all that yeah. stuff, but. It just feels a little gross that we I, – I don't know. That like even I myself feel like maybe this is too critical for 
what this show is. I don't because know. This I is mean, not, I think none she's of this just... is monstrous behavior, and also it's a comedy. Like I laughed almost every single episode of Girls. I mean, are we talking about? And Lena Dunham in relationship to girls or just Lena Dunham, how she carries herself in real life. I'm talking about Lena Dunham, the creator. I mean, she also released an autobiography that that was, that had some controversy behind it at the same time. I thought most of that controversy was bullshit though. I mean, I don't know. Like people want to say that she's a child molester. She stuck rocks in her sister's vagina. When she was what? Five, six? Yeah. And she, like, the other thing that people want to hold against her is that she, uh, she was, she had to share a bedroom and a bed with her sister. I agree that and we when can she be... was, uh, she was like a 13 year old, she masturbated while her younger sister was sleeping beside her. Oh god, who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> We've all masturbated in really weird places, okay? Yeah, I mean, we just like, didn't, as long as you don't make it someone else's problem. To, yeah, that's the thing, it's like, I don't, that doesn't, like, everyone wants to say, like, she's a child predator, that, that, that's something deeply wrong, and I'm like, I think that that's, you know, I didn't put I think rocks up my child, brother's bum, but I. It's a I've, child experimenting with their sexuality. Yeah. It's, it's, so that's what I'm saying. Weird. Like, she yeah. just, she just can't win. She's trying to be honest and funny and, and say things. I mean, but like, here's the thing. You release an autobiography or something personal, you're inviting criticism. And I'm not saying that she deserves it all. I'm just saying it's, it's what you do it for, right? Right. You don't I mean, release Louis an autobiography. You can, can talk so about coming home with his four-year-old's legs spread wide open and she's got her fingers in her vagina holding it apart going like, ah, and like what that is to walk into. And nobody's like, oh, my God, Louis C.K. is a fucking creepy weirdo perva. And he's got some kind of appropriate sexual fixation with his daughter. But I feel like that people I like. I mean, it's, it's super easy to draw a line between what is said in in the terms of like a joke or a TV show or what you actually write about your real life experiences for that specifically. Hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, people have some shitty things that say about mother Teresa too. Right. Maybe <laughs> she just, deserves some just, of those things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, being a creator is hard and people are complicated and it seems like that it, she did get a little extra heat that maybe she didn't deserve, and maybe she could have done things to to maybe she could have maybe she'd been a more perfect oh, conduit for this she, thing. You know, I don't think she should have done anything different ever. Okay, she's just being herself, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But not everyone's going to agree with you. And maybe she's not a role model for everybody, and maybe she wasn't know. the voice of a generation. But she did make what I think is an important and entertaining television show. Not important like the wire is important or OJ the people versus OJ is important or <laughs> you know, like like that, but like I do think when you get ten, twenty years down, this 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 will be seen as you know I I don't know. Do you think do you think this show will be important ten years down the lo- right line? Like mm-hmm. important in terms like sex in the city important? Sex and the City wasn't that important, was it? I, I think it these, really resonated with a certain generation. I, I don't people. think they're important later. I think they're important in the moment. Sex ah. and the City was then. Girls is now. Friends was then. But they're watching cultu- reruns it's a, it's, it'll doesn't be a really cultural, resonate. It'll be with, a cultural touchstone. Exactly. R- watching Friends re- reruns doesn't resonate with twenty somethings right now, does it? Probably not. Because they don't have cell phones and they're not on Tinder and they're not. You know. Well, you know what's funny about that is different. like. I feel like Friends was it, it. It appealed to like like you didn't have to be from New York or in Brooklyn to appreciate what was going on with Friends, even though that was a big part of the show. Right. It was like this fictional, fabulized version of it. Whereas a lot of times, girls, I did feel like an outsider looking in at a culture that I didn't understand. Yeah. 
Um, it felt very like like these these people's attitudes are obviously wrong, and they've obviously got sticks up their asses, and they're obviously making bad decisions. They're obviously being, you know, uh, uh, sanctimonious and self righteous when they've got giant rafters sticking out of their eyes. But that's and it's weird because there's enough realism that you can't like. I, 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 sometimes I try to engage with it like always sunny. We're like, well, these are obviously garbage people and I'm just watching them destroy themselves and people around them and it's funny, but there's enough realism and I guess truth in the comedy that I couldn't ever fully disengage with that side of it. But then there think- was enough of the always sunny that I was kept, you know, like, like I, I, it, it, it very conflicted, very conflicted and complicated watching this quote unquote comedy is what I'm trying to get at. Right. And now that we've had this conversation, I, I have to say that I feel ready for motherhood, and I feel like I'm like a very complete person now. But can you latch? I don't know. We'll see. Because like that's such a risk. Like if you, you take this, <laughs> you, you have the ten months, and you, the baby comes out, and you can't latch, then it's for nothing. Yeah, then I might as well just throw the baby away. I'll try again. All right, all right. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's girls. That's girls. Anything else we want to talk about it? No. All right. Do we have any idea of when we're going to get you back in the studio? Um, I will be around for special events. What about, let me ask you this, um, cause I'm not, I don't have time to do a full show on this, but you and I are kind of interested in this, uh, American, uh, gods and monsters. Yeah. American that, gods. American gods, right? Neil Gaiman. Um, Gaiman. that's coming out pretty soon. April 30th. And I'm thinking maybe we can do a girl style or like an expanse style approach where every couple, three weeks we go in and talk about that. I love that idea. Have you read the book? No. Someone on the forum today said it's a quick read. Yeah. I'm thinking about maybe trying to see how quick a read it is and see if I can squeeze it in before the show starts. Yeah. Or I could go in completely blind. I don't know. I'm, I'm conflicted about it. I did read the Wikipedia. <laughs> did you? Yeah. Oh, damn it. Well, the only reason I do that is because I know I always forget those things before it actually happens. Yeah. I don't know why I do it. Just so I, I just like to understand what I'm getting myself into. You're the anti-spoiler phobe. You're the spoiler file. Yeah. You like knowing what you like you like going into something with your eyes wide open. Yes. Because like exactly. that's the thing I think is mildly And uh, even if I was I mean, the whole reason I even started you know, reading about it is because of the trailer. The trailer looks fucking amazing. It looks bonkers, yeah. So and I kinda I guess this part of me in a, as as a critic now is I I'm attracted to bonkers things. And because, I've always been super interested in like Greek mythology and yeah. you know, Norse mythology, which is another yes. Neil Gaiman book yes. called North Mythology. Um, yeah, so, I mean, they already had me hook, line, and sinker, plus the cast. Uh-huh. What a lineup. Yeah. So, yeah, that's something we'll cover. All right. Um, so that, that's, that's coming up pretty soon. We'll, we'll, ha- we'll keep you around for that. Holding on bald move television. Yes. Uh, we'll be on the lookout for the next young pope, too. <laughs> and also, like, you know, Amer- I think American Crime Story is coming back later in the summer. What's that? That's just Katrina stuff. I haven't seen, like, an actual, the, the next American, crime story is going to be supposedly about the Katrina disaster. Oh, really? Yeah. Like an analyzation, an analyzation of like all that went wrong. And I, I, if that's a fair and kind of balanced thing, I think that would be really important because that's another like, OJ, I thought I knew a lot about, but watching that and then watching the eight hour long ESPN documentary, like I'd never want to see anything more about OJ, but also that was fascinating to see how influential that was 
in a particular time and point in American culture. And I think I mean, Katrina just... might be the same thing because we know we have like, you know, the like George Bush doesn't care about black people and like, well, is actually the Democratic governor who didn't do blah or, you know, it's like there's all this like blame game. But like it would be nice to see an impartial and honest look at like all because it's that that took multiple. It seems to me. Like that took multiple layers of of shirking of responsibility and bad decisions to make it be the disaster that it kind of ended up being. Um, but I'm I'm interested in that too, so that might be another opportunity for us to to get in there. Um, feud with Betty and Joan is on right now. We watched the first I think the episode. finale's this week, right? Yep. So maybe we'll be able to talk about that some. I don't know. There's all kinds of so much TV right now. So much good TV. But I think that's all we've got for this episode. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for another Bald Move Television. We will be back early next week uh, for me and Jim and hopefully Levi to break down the final season of uh, 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 of The Expanse. Expanse. Speaking of the, the final season of The Expanse, um, I can't help but note that when Amos stripped down to the waist, your vagina turned into an Epstein drive. <laughs> And accelerated you at 1G throughout our house. (laughs) (laughs) It did. It did. But that's spoilers for your podcast. (laughs) Uh, All right. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. And uh, we'll see you real soon. Bye.